Good morning, everybody, uh, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is September 10th, 2019. We're reading from the Big Book, uh, and we're at page 53, the third paragraph that starts with, arrived at this point. Today's readers are uh, Vanessa S. for the Steps, Stacy T. for the Traditions, uh, Aaron I., uh, Martha Z. and Lisa B. for the Text, uh, and uh, the newcomer greeters Jody E., and the second hour host is uh, Rebecca B. Um, the reference number for yesterday, reference numbers, for the Monday morning 7 a.m. meeting was 13,373, and for the 10 a.m. meeting was 13,375. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. Uh, there are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Vanessa S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vanessa S., Recovering Compulsive Overeater from Charlotte, North Carolina, The Twelve Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask Stacy T. to read the 12 traditions. 
Stacey. Good morning. This is thank you. Good morning. This is Stacy T. Recovering in Cleveland. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are our trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service in my past. Thanks, Stacy. Okay, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery, described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 53, the third paragraph, which starts with, arrived at this point. Now, I'm going to ask Erin I to get us started off. Erin? Good morning. This is Erin I from upstate New York, and here's our paragraph. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile and we did not like to lose our support. And I'll share on this paragraph. Um, This is a description of of the experience of slogging through all that misery of being in compulsive overeating, 
finding program, finding um, in this step two, finding a, a power greater than ourselves, and and starting to to receive support from our fellows and starting to see where the program is taking us, that can be a huge change in our lives after the life we led previously. Um, and and the last sentence is is talking about how we might still have a little bit of that self-reliance left in us and that comes up for me when I do my step tens even though I've I've worked the steps and and I'm living in steps 10 11 12 um, when I do those step tens self-reliance comes up a lot for me and I can really relate to this paragraph in that I uh, some of the time I'm able to trust that my higher power knows better than I do and that that I can just sit back and enjoy the journey. But there are times, especially with my career, where um, I do a step 10, I talk to one of my fellows, and and I can admit that there are times when I think I know better than my higher power. With my career, I have a degree in this. I do this every day. Isn't there just a chance that I know what's, what's good for me and for the people around me? Um, so... I, I appreciate it when my fellows remind me that's pretty much being an agnostic, not trusting that your higher power knows knows what's best. So I, I'm grateful for those reminders, and I, and I feel like I'm in that last mile where I might just rely on the self-reliance every once in a while, but luckily I have the, the step tens to help get me back in the right frame of mind. And with that, I'll pass. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you, Aaron. Okay, so um, who would like to share on the paragraph that we just read? Uh, Charles H. I got you, Charles. Nancy P. Nancy. Chuck K. from Georgia. Chuck. Beth W. in North Dakota. Beth? Gina F. Tina? Gina. Huh? Gina? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. How about one more? Lane C. Lane yep. C. Okay. Um, all right, Charles, let's get us started. Thank you, teacher, for your uh, loyal service. Charles H., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm, I'm just going to drill right down. Faith without reason is dead. Because for this compulsive overeater, I needed all those reasons. After reading page 52, the bedevilment millions of time and, 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 and not studying, you know, because every time I read, I fall asleep. But when I study, I wake up, you know. And, and and even living the bedevilments, right? And even going to two vision conventions and going to birthday parties and hearing people talk about this, right? And I noticed in this text that the word reason is capitalized three times. Big. It, it's big. I need all the reasons in the world to work this program. I need all the reasons in the world to set aside my atheism, even saying I'm a believer, but I'm such a liar because I don't believe nothing, and I'm and 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 there's some there's a page 
there's a, a, a section on here that got me real excited where um, it says, it says, it says, it says, friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. I was skeptical. Why y'all so friendly? And I remember I shared at the birthday party um, that, you know, I was desperate, right, but I was waiting for a blue, you know, a blue uh, life jacket. I love music. I was waiting for a blue life jacket. <laughs> I was waiting for a blue life jacket. So I really wasn't that desperate. Maybe I wanted some more reasons. Maybe I wanted them to double up on the bedevilment. So in closing, um, faith without reasons is dead, and that's why I believe, uh, um, you know, recovery wears off after 24 hours. And, and what I say is going to wear off. It's going to wear off. And I got to continue to look for more reasons, the same reasons, every single day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Nancy T., your turn. It was Nancy T. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Um, Nancy P. calling from Newton, Massachusetts. Um, so, yeah, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. I mean, I felt like a boxer in a ring. Um, my surrender was, you know, violent and exhausting. And, um, and then when I thought I was done, then I came up against that question of faith. And, you know, um, that was hard for me. And it continues, it, well, it, I was going to say it continues to be hard, but what it has gotten is less difficult. It hasn't gotten easier. It's only gotten less difficult. And, um, um, but I couldn't, you know, like, what was the choice to be? That really was the choice. And in spite of the fact that, you know, when I finally surrendered, I did find nothing but welcome. I mean, you know, I've seen, I've said this before, I've seen dogs that want to go for walks less than vision people wanting to welcome me into the fold. And, um, you know, in spite of all that, the friendliness and the, and the loving care and the sympathy and, the, you know, the support, I had trouble with faith. And, um, but I could, you know, what was the choice to be? Just exactly what it says. I couldn't go back. So I had to, you know, slog forward. and. Um, you know, I was really exhausted from it, from the surrender, but very quickly, um, as I got through with um, the help of my sponsor, I got, you know, just what it says, luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. I mean, I was energized. My, you know, I didn't surrender until I couldn't go any further, like a fish on a line. I just couldn't go any further thrashing around and um, and creating discord and chaos, and that's exhausting. Um, so I had to let go of reason and tear up everything I knew about higher any kind of higher power, and um, none of this happened in real time for me, not at this point, not on page 53. It didn't happen to me until I was done with step nine, um, but um, the you know, I just slogged on and um, and trusted that, you know, if I just did this work, I felt so much better for the little I had done to this point that um, it gave me enough gas in the tank to get through the rest. And, um, you know, and then I got there and, and 
and now I, um, I work hard every day to make sure I, I don't lose it. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Uh, Nancy P., your turn. Oh, that was you, Nancy. Chuck K., you're up. I'm sorry. Chuck? That's okay. This is Chuck K. from Georgia. How's everybody doing today? I was just sitting here thinking that underneath faith is trust. And that's why when I first came to program, and even today, I don't have to understand why things happen or how they happen. I just have to trust that they will, that the recovered sponsor that I'm working with, I know that they are working with me not to negatively impact me or hurt me or anything like that, but to help me because they've had some of the similar experiences that I've had in life. One of the things I was asked to do some time ago was to write down how my life is when I base it on self and then another list opposite of what my life would be like if I allowed God to, to help me make my decisions. And, of course, the one list is the road to the bedevilments. The other list is the road to the promises. So those two roads are very clear in my mind. And so now I know, and I can't say that I, I accept it all the time. I try to, that faith is a gift from God. It's a beautiful gift. Faith can be there when nothing else will. But to get to that faith, I have to trust. Because even early on in program, I didn't understand how these things would work. I didn't see how they would fit together. I didn't understand how the big book worked. I couldn't see it. Nobody ever showed me. And so I had to trust that what was being asked of me was for my good. And then faith grew out of that. And I've worked with a lot of people who have trouble with faith. And what I tell them is the same. You just have to trust and see and even test. Test God. Test your higher power. That's what they want you to do so they can prove themselves to you so you'll trust them more. Because that's what I had to do. There were times when I didn't want to trust, but I did it anyway, begrudgingly even. And then I saw things in a different light. So I'm I'm glad that I have faith, and then I'm and I'm also glad that I trust my higher power, and I'm glad to have this line and all the people that I talk to within program to help me recover, and that I can pass it on to. So thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, Beth W, you're up. Hi. Good morning, Craig. This is Beth from North Dakota. Grateful to be on the line this morning. Um, I was really thinking about the words about um, we didn't like to lose that support. And I have a little white flag in my book um, drawn here. It's just another, I have a couple on this page and it's next to this paragraph too. And it's an opportunity to surrender. And my other, the other white flag is next to the words we don't know up above. And um, this is just one of those places where we have to let go and, uh, and trust. I, I liked the word that, you know, the previous share just shared. Um, I think about a small child who's learning to walk. You know, they, they practice and they practice, they practice, they're holding hands with something or they're walking along furniture or with a little walker thing. And pretty soon they have to let go, let throw up their hands or like, you know, let their hands go. And, and then they get to walk alone. But the truth is, is we never walk alone. We're always walking with um, the God of our understanding, our higher power, um, we just didn't know it. 
you know, and so we're holding on for dear life to something we think is going to support us forever, but is is really very fleeting, and and that's um, our own reason, and and uh, and we usually fall down over and over and over again, you know, just thinking about that baby, and, and we try keeping, you know, getting up, but until we trust that the God of our understanding to, to that was always going to be there, that will always lift us up, will always support us. Um, those those artificial supports from the outside, whether they're human or otherwise, um, they they do fail us, you know, because they are just human as well. Um, so as loving as this program is, and it is loving, and the people I've met um, through your voices are amazing. Um, we're all just humans, and so um, I was so great to, grateful to be welcomed, and I was so grateful for all the teachers I've had. Um, but until I let go of all those artificial supports and really lean into the God of my understanding, um, I really haven't truly surrendered. And so that's all I have to share, and I'll pass. Have a great day, everybody. Okay. Uh, thank you, Beth. Um, next we have Gina F. I think it's F. Gina? Good morning, Craig, and good morning, my fellows. Um, this is Gina F., uh, recovered just for today in Connecticut. Um, so I think for me the idea of reason um, is me thinking that I can figure it out myself. Um, I think that's what reason with a capital R means to me, is that it's logic. It's uh, the human intellect. And um, when I was a child, I really accepted the idea of God because I knew I didn't have anything figured out. The world was big and scary and confusing. But when I got to be an adult, um, I thought that I was supposed to have everything figured out. And I legitimately thought that religious people were crazy. I thought they were delusional. Um, and the irony of that is that I was the one who was uh, hiding in my apartment compulsively overeating. I was stealing food. I was um, doing, you know, risky things in relationships um, and crazy things in relationships. And um, and yet I was relying on my own intellect, my own logic uh, to figure things out and thinking that people who had faith were the crazy ones. So what I've had the lesson to learn is that faith to, you know, not um, even though it seemed crazy to me, is actually the way of freedom um, and the way of uh, the path of least resistance uh, because I don't have to have it all figured out anymore. I can rely on a higher power for direction because I was making quite a mess of my life on my own. And um, now, leaning on that faith, I get to experience the freedom that I had been searching for all along with my own mind trying to figure everything out myself so i'm so uh happy to be in this place today and i hope that i can continue to do what i need to do to be worthy of this freedom um, and with that i pass thank you craig all right thank you jean next we have lane c and then we're going to take some more names lane Hey, uh, good morning, Craig. This is, uh, and my fellows, this is Lane C., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overreader in Rochester, New York. And um, I love this. I'm, I'm working with two sponsees, and we literally are reading these paragraphs right now. So it's so wonderful to have 
some of the learning that I'm that I'm experiencing with them sync up with some of the learning that I'm experiencing on here. Um, I love this, you know, this first sentence, you know, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. Um, and I, I think that's referring to, to this, you know, this piece above about, you know, the proposition that either God is everything or else uh, he's nothing. God either is or he isn't. And I know for me, as I've been working through the steps, and, um, as, as I was working through the steps and as I continue to work through the steps, uh, my fellows, you all have really helped me with this question. Um, you know, when I've called folks with, uh, with a 10 step. And, you know, I'm sitting with some of my defects of character. I've certainly learned from fellows in this program about, you know, God is present in, the, in those moments uh, as well as in those moments when I, when I feel like I'm doing well in my recovery, in those moments when I feel like the day has gone well, or in those moments of fear, in those moments of, um, of resentment. God is in everything. And it's just, it's just me, you know. Um, it's it's me. It's it's whether or not I'm willing to see it, to acknowledge it, to reach out for the guidance, um, and not to you know block out a higher power with um, what I think is possible, with what I think is right, um, with what I think I should be doing. Um, and I I feel like you know um, you all you know you all haven't allowed me really to duck the issue. Um, and to really to really bring that proposition to light in in my life, um, and I loved that you know I love this you know the friendly hands stretched out and welcome. Um, I I feel like um, there are so many folks who have been on this journey and who have been on this journey way longer than I have, and so much wisdom, and and um, uh, and and friendly welcome in this group. Uh, but I have to actually reach out my hands and take it, and I feel like that's. You know, that's the, the part of this metaphor that is so helpful to me is like, I have to make that journey too, and be willing to set aside some of the things that I think I know, and be willing to set aside these pieces that I feel so certain about, and just to be open to wisdom and guidance from a higher power, to be open to wisdom and guidance from uh, my fellows, through whom I feel, you know, I know my higher power is speaking, whether or not I'm willing to listen to that God within and that inner voice, that intuition that God places on my heart often. And so, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate some of the caution here, you know, around what, what does it take for us to take that step ashore? And um, I could say from my pr perspective that having taken that step ashore with other fellows, you know, and not always stayed there, but um, continuing to take that step ashore uh, one day at a time, um, uh, being in, in a place of reliance on God and being in God reliance has been transforming for me and transforming for my life. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm grateful to all of you for all that you've shared and I'm grateful for all that you're going to share with that. I'll pass. Uh, all right. Thank you, Lane. All right. Now, before I take names, I want to remind everybody that if you've shared in the last couple of days on uh, Friday or Monday on either meeting that we'd ask you to step back and let people uh, have a turn to share. So who else would like to share on this paragraph on page 50, the third paragraph on page 50? Linda D. from Connecticut. Fran Katie M. from New Boston. Jersey. Fran M. from New Jersey. Katie G. Beth M. Beth M. All right, I got, I got Brenda, Fran, and Katie G. Was there somebody else in there? Beth M. Beth M. It was Linda D. from Connecticut. 
Linda D, okay. Was Katie G, were you in there? Donna G. Donna? Yes, that was Katie G, please. All right, good. All right, okay, I've got Brenda, Fran, Katie, Beth, Linda, and Donna. Let's uh, go ahead and get those six started. Uh, Brenda? Was there Brenda? Was there a Brenda? Well, if there wasn't, I'm sorry. Um, Fran and go ahead and take us, Fran. Hi, Craig. It's Fran M. in New Jersey. Thank you for everybody's share. Um, I love this chapter because I think in the 20s or 30s, whenever Bill wrote it, um, it was so progressive because it was just assumed that good people were religious and the rest of the people weren't. And he was being so farsighted. And he also understood the negativity and the skepticism of the alcoholic. And I think there is something to that, that we addicts tend to be more skeptical and negative and this particular paragraph just reminds us that there is a way for even those of us who are that way. Um, it seems to me in my life, in our world, religious people aren't always right. Sometimes they're the ones who are the most wrong. Some religious people are good. Some religious people aren't good. But this program is so foresightful in that it really talks about spirituality, not necessarily religion, and a power greater than ourself. And that's all I have to know. Um, if I start thinking of God as a person, uh, I start to project onto this idea all sorts of human features, and that doesn't help me because my understandings of humans are flawed. But if I think of God as just goodness, you know, the, the most massive amount of goodness and wisdom and strength, then I can approach, uh, you know, trying to be that way. And those lines always in the step work that we do how would God have us be? Um, if we were going to be the most good and the most wise and the most strong we could be, how would we be? How could we be? And then we can strive and reach toward that. I don't always think of God as somebody who makes things work out because in many people's lives, um, terrible things happen. But I don't have to fixate on those. I just know in my life, when I was able to stop listening to myself and start listening to a power greater than myself, I saw not only that the way I ate was um, a habit that I couldn't control without outside help, but I also realized that the way I looked at everything wasn't really helping me in my life. And I still struggle with that a lot. Things come up all the time, especially when the food is down. It seems like every other minute... I have to shift from the way I think to a different way of thinking. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. And I know there are people on the line who just seem to get it and life seems to, I don't know, it just sounds sometimes like it's effortless and for me it's not. Um, not at this point anyway. But it's real and it's true and it feels much better. And oddly enough, when I turn to a power greater than myself, I feel more than ever that my feet are on the ground. They're more firmly rooted on the ground than they would be 
if I were relying on my own will, which somehow makes me feel like I'm floating and unanchored. So it is a paradox. Um, And again, for me, it has nothing to do with religion. It's all about spirituality, and it has nothing to do with a person, let alone a man up there. It just has to do with a very large concept of the best possible way to be in this world. Um, So thanks for letting me share. All right. Thanks, Fran. Katie G., your turn. Good morning. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And, you know, um, I just want to say, you know, we just asked ourselves, is God everything or is he nothing? And in the back of the spiritual, in the back of the book, The spiritual experience tells me there is one thing that will never fail to keep me in everlasting ignorance, which is contempt, disdain, being the I know guy, having the answer, saying, yeah, but, telling the sponsor when I should call or what I should eat, what I should not eat, right, and prior to investigation, right, and I am always that person. I'm worshiping my mind. I'm saying, you know, this is... This is my brain. I can, it, there, I can figure this out. I can make this happen. And this last mile, like, um, it's telling me, like, so faith is this crazy thing that I had a sponsor tell me a couple years ago. I'm snot nose, messy, crying about the, the issues that are real in my life. And she's saying to me that faith is accepting what's going on in my life and not asking why, not knowing why, because there's no... I may never know why, right? But I also don't know why the sun is out and I can see it this morning and I have my senses and, you know, I don't know why good, I don't know why bad, I don't know, right? And so the sponsor says to me, stepping out in faith means taking an action and not knowing what's going to happen. It means not knowing the outcome. It means taking that step and and being afraid and holding on, but then taking a step and letting go and realizing this God of reason, capital R, had been my God, right? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, I'm going to um, figure this out. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to make him want me. I'm going to make her want me. I'm going to make this career happen. That destroyed my life to the point where it doesn't work. And, and agnostics is getting me to the point where I'm like, you know what? I just don't know. I don't know why. Like, I'm not a great scientist. I don't know why the world knows how to, um, for the ocean to come in and come out. You want to explain it to me? I'm sure you can, but I don't know that I'll ever follow you, and that's okay with me, right? But, you know, I'm the only person who, I'm this person who, like, if I, um, if you try and explain to me something that I think I know, I'm a locked box. And all I know today is that I can't know. Like, something good may be happening, but I don't know if it's good. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But my judgment of the situation is a problem. And as one of our beloved members reminds us all, there's one thing that will fail me each and every time from having a contented life, and that is my mind. So can I take a walk out in faith, put the food down, get into the steps, and keep going, and stop being the I know guy? That's all, that's all I know is that I don't know and I can't know. And please let me never arrive. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Um, okay, next we have Beth M. Beth? 
Hi, this is Beth M. in San Francisco. And I, too, am working um, right now on the paragraph before and, and this paragraph with my sponsor. And, um, and it's been hitting me pretty hard the last two days um, listening to um, the meeting and, and reading through these words again. And, and, I, and I've been in away a long time. And, um, and I've had, I've had, you know, I've been re uh, recovered and, and currently I'm working towards that again. And um, I don't know why I feel um, stuck. I'm waiting there. It says we couldn't quite step ashore. We did not like to. We did not like to lose our support. And I feel like I'm holding on to a ticket, you know. And that ticket to admission is is recovery. I can get there, but I have to let go of the ticket too. I can't enter unless I let go of the ticket. And I'm so afraid of letting go of that ticket. Um, and it, it's just this bizarre no man's land that I feel like. And, um, and, I, and I have to, you know, trust. I have to have faith. Um, but I'm afraid. And I know that I have um, a little placard um, in my house that says faith makes things possible not easy I just have to not worry not fear I just have to turn my ticket over and then I can go on but I'm just clutching at it right now but with all of your support with with my higher power support I can just turn the ticket in and let go and let recovery happen and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, next up, we have Linda D. Linda? Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Craig. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Okay, I'm, my phone is kind of screwy. Uh, I'm Linda D. from Connecticut, and today I want to share something with you. This program really works. I have... Um, five years and uh, three quarters today and my sponsor has 15 and a half today and uh, so what well we were both lost souls I can't talk for her she's in the hospital right now but I can talk for me and it's very very simple I was an atheist and I'm not fooling I really didn't talk. and um and this program gave me a higher power, and that higher power gave me a life, and it required that didn't like that I lose my support. I was terrified. Someone was saying before, it, it sounds effortless. Honey, this is work, because i got to walk through fears with guidance. Some of it will come from, it all comes through the steps and the big book, but it will come through people, some of it. And some of it will come directly from within. And it will prove itself. And eventually I'll understand why, why something happened. What it is, usually for me, what it is is what I need to let go of. Old ideas like, um, I don't deserve that. That can happen for somebody else, not me. This has never worked and it never will. Nobody loves me. That kind of crap 
That's the wreckage of the past that does such a damage. So reason is great. It is a tool, but it does not in any way um, make up for the, I have to use something new. This new land is intuitive. And I have to pause. I have to do all the things that the steps teach me because this truly, truly works. I had a day from hell yesterday, and I'm okay. I'm okay, and I'm on my path. Thanks. I pass. Okay. Thank you, Linda. Uh, Next is Donna. Uh, Donna? Hi. This is Donna G., grateful, recovered food addict in Pennsylvania. Um, Thank you for your service. Um, I recently acquired the uh, family pictures. I became the keeper of the the family pictures, and there were a lot of them in there I hadn't seen in a very long time. And um, just looking through the pictures, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at myself in the pictures, and uh, something struck me, and a lot of things struck me, but one thing that struck me was um, how empty I looked, like how just um, uh, empty. And um, looking at this paragraph, like what was I, I was, I was definitely abandoning myself to something, <laughs> definitely abandoning myself to food from, um, you know, the, from the from the pictures I could see that. Um, a lot of other things that are out of program that I won't talk about, but anyhow, also, a lot of times just leaning into the person, usually uh, a partner that has come and gone, <laughs> but leaning, just leaning on them, abandoning myself um, to people, to relationships. Um, and just, a, I, I mean, there was a lot of abandoning I could see in the picture, but mostly um, of myself. I looked very vacant. And so um, what I notice now, um, and it, it's not just the weight loss, but it's, there's a different look to every picture now um, that is taken of me. I'm a lot older. Um, the tired eyes that this talks about, um, the you know, it, it should be there, but it's not. I look like I have been refreshed. I look like I've been renewed. And what I see in the pictures now is my higher power right there with me. Um, and that just really struck me um, in looking at them and, I think that's what this picture is talking about is when you abandon yourself to the God of your understanding, um, you, um, your life and you and everything about it begins to look different. And, um, and I'm no longer vacant. I don't have that vacant look. Um, I'm so grateful for that. And even in pictures where I was um, much you know, smaller, of course, the yo-yo up and down, um, something's missing. There's, there's, there's not the joy um, that I see now. Um, it comes with a lot of work, and I would just um, tell the newcomer that it's really worth it to see yourself um, walking with your higher power. It's, it's just, there's a, there's, I get so much joy from that. And um, so just keep coming back. Thank you. With that, I pass. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Donna. All right. We have time for some more shares. So who else would like to share? We're on the paradigm. Third paragraph on page 53, arrived at this point. Nahama G. Nahama? Shannon S. Shannon? 
I'm sorry? Maureen H. Was that Maura? Maureen. Oh, Maureen. Okay. Yeah. All right. One more for safety. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Nahama G, you're up. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Just okay. Thank you so much for your service and all the beautiful shares. So I, I just had, you know, thoughts go through my head that, about my relationship with my higher power and, um, you know, that uh, ignoring the messages that I believe are coming from my higher power is, in, a, in essence, sometimes like ignoring myself because I have my higher self, my self that is intuitive, that's connected to the spirit, able to connect with the spirit now after 40-some-odd years of uh, of a disciplined meditation practice. And then there's the self that is, um, you know, familiar, uh, familiarity and addiction and safety, you know, um, and it does take courage. I remember this well-respected rabbi uh, giving a class, and he asked the students, if you were to listen to your higher power, do you think you would be afraid? And so many of the students said, no, and he said, wrong. <laughs> Because, you know, if you listen to your higher power, it often means stepping out into the unknown. It means stepping out into the unfamiliar. So, uh, yeah, so that um, that was some of my thoughts. And, and, you know, just thinking how important it is you know, I think part of the universal law is the law of attraction and how important it is for me to keep my energy, make it, you know, and that's where my 10th step comes in and that's where reaching out to other um, members comes in um, to keep my energy in a, in a vibration that will draw to me the kinds of energies that, you know, like if I want to, if I want love to come back to me, if I want compassion, if I want, you know, all those nice energies, then I have to be radiating at that energy because, you know, pretty much I've seen that what I put out comes back. So um, that's another thought I had. Um, Yesterday I brought I had my van towed in to be looked at, and um, my gut, was just telling me, no, 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 <laughs> although it seemed like it was the only thing to do because it, it's really been troublesome um, in how it's running. And, and uh, thank you. And then, you know, it came back and it had this loud noise that it hadn't had when I brought it in. So 
I don't know. It's tricky sometimes to know, but thank you very much for listening and letting me be part of. Thanks, Nahama. Shannon S., your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Shannon S., and I am recovered uh, a recovered compulsive overeater for today in Littleton, Colorado. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The first sentence arrived at this point. We were squarely confronted with a question of faith. Um, So I had an experience. I had been um, or was abstinent and working the program, and I I had a meeting with my principal, and um, that had um, historically been a really tough relationship, and um, so we had the meeting, and it was better, um, but it still wasn't great, and so I met with my sponsor after and, and shared the experience and was waiting for a lot of validation because it had been better. And um, so he listens and then he says, you know, it, it sounds like self-will. And it's one of those moments you see in a movie where um, you see the person climb over the table and like strangle somebody, but it's really what's going on in their mind. They don't actually do it. That was, that was my brain in that moment. That's what I wanted to do because what I was thinking is, hold, hold on, you're telling me this is self-will and that's the best I have. See, you don't understand. It went better. Wasn't great, but it was better. And if that's the best I have and you're telling me that it sounds like self-will, then what? That, then I've got nothing. And I started sobbing. And I remember he looked at me and said, um, and, and I'm sure this wasn't the next comment, but at some point in this meeting, he said, um, maybe you're not ready yet. And I thought, oh, no, you did not just say that. I cannot leave this restaurant with, without um, without my higher power and without this, this, this thing, because I don't have anything. And, um, and then I go to the last sentence, perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile. And we did not like to lose our support. That was the moment that I was on my knees in the restaurant bathroom, which by the way, wasn't clean and, and praying, you know, God, you got to help me. I can't do this. And it is that moment where um, I can say today, you know, faith isn't about me thinking my way out of things. Faith isn't about um, me, you know, showing up to a meeting with my principal, having, you know, planned what, what I'm going to say and how it's going to be better. And um, because that is self-will for me. Self-will isn't isn't the way I get rid of self-will. I can't use my self-will to rid myself of self-will. And it really goes to faith. You know, how much do I believe that my God is there to take care of me? I don't need to know the outcome. I don't know how it's going to go down. Um, and for me today, that that's faith. It's not about don't using my you. brain. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. This has been fantastic, and, and I'm grateful that I was able to share. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, Maureen, Ma- Maureen, your turn. Good morning. Maureen H., Recovered Compulsive Reading, South Florida. 
Um, yeah, I, I love that last line as well. And I, I just, you know, perhaps we've been relying too heavily on reason and, and, and the other, you know, the, the result or the, you know, what I read from that is I got to let go. I got to let go of all those things that I'm holding on to and like grasping to. And for me, um, a big, a big, um, a big part of my recovery has been what lies am I telling myself? You know, what stories am I telling myself? I was just talking to someone last night about this, about like anytime there's a fear, there's always a dishonesty in it. You know, where's the dishonesty? Even if the dishonesty is just the future is going to be this way and it's obviously not because it's not here yet. How do I know what the future is going to be? But, um, you know, when it came to my higher power um, and, and walking to that shore, of faith, there was always so much fear in it. There was always this idea of, no, 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 no. If I do that, things will not work out. You know, I've got a very set plan about how things are supposed to work out. And everybody knows you go left instead of right. And everybody knows you got to do this, this, and this. And all those fixed ideas that I had or lies I was telling myself that the world was one way. And if I went the way that you're telling me to go where I just trust, that it will work out, that no, of course it won't work out. I know it won't work out, you know, and I knew that and everything I knew only got me face first in the ground, you know, in the food or in life or in frustration or in fear or in in anxiety. Like everything I thought I knew is what got me the life that I had. And it's only when I started looking at what I had and what was my self-will really doing and like how it was really driving me that I realized, you know what, maybe I don't know. I really came to that place of agnostic, meaning I don't know. And that's why like today with my faith and my relationship with my higher power, my favorite prayer is that Thomas Merton prayer. And it basically says, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know if what I'm doing is what you want me to do, God. And that's like the whole sentiment of the prayer. It says, you know, I don't know where I'm going, but I, and I don't even know if what I'm doing will please you, but I feel like the desire to please you really does please you. And that's good enough for me right now, you know? And that's that like scared, like, I don't really know, but I'm going to step onto the plank kind of courage is what brought me through so much in the last year in my recovery, in my job, in my relationship, you know, the more courageously honest I got with people. And then I saw, oh shit, you know, they didn't set me on fire and I'm fine. And oh my God, the truth is okay to say out loud. Like the more courageously honest I got with people, the easier it was to be honest. And I mean, every single step of like breakthrough that I've had with my higher power and my program and just giving a little more and giving a little courage and giving a little, you know, that's just that little next little bit. And no matter how scary it was, it always has come back to me in just further, further confirmation that I'm being taken care of, that God has a plan for us, that it all will work out because it has. And it's just, it's just amazing, and I just hope everybody has that experience. And thank you, and with that, I pass. Great, thank you very much. Um, you're going to be our last uh, reader, our last share for today. Um, thanks to everybody that shared. Please join us in the second unrecorded hour of study 
immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting is 13,377-13377. Uh, we're now going to close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will uh, Martha Z, please read uh, from A Vision for You, our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Thanks, Craig. This is Martha C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater by the Grace of God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.